Hi, this is Randall with Business Partner Blueprint, welcoming you back to another episode of the Blueprint Pros Podcast. And this episode, well, actually, let me be consistent. And today, I'm so wonderful, I can't stand myself. This episode is titled, The Partner Economy, The Single Greatest Opportunity and Threat to Your Business. So you might be going, okay, Randall, partner economy. What are you talking about? What do you mean? What is this all about? Are are you off on one of your tangents again? And the answer is no. The real answer is I'm kind of dropping some pearls of wisdom on you today. I'm helping you to kind of think through long-term strategically what makes for a viable business. And it was something that a friend of mine, well, a guy I met at a at a at a at a conference. He wasn't really a friend, but he said something fascinating to me. He said, "You know, in the old days, it was the big that beat the small, but in the current economy, it's the fast that beat the slow." And oh, by the way, speed is not an excuse for poor for poor, for poor performance. And he told me that mm, in early two thousands, it was really insightful at that time. But I'm like, interesting. This was a guy that worked for a large company, and he recognized that the old business models weren't really working like they used to. And really and truly, when you go back and you start thinking about you know, how a lot of these companies got big, you start thinking about uh, John D. Rockefeller, Stan- Standard Oil, which is now um, ExxonMobil, and a good part of it has reconstituted itself. And you start thinking about Ford and U.S. Steel and a lot of these folks. You, you know, these are, are huge companies that owned all the factors of production from beginning to end. They were integrated. They owned everything. It was amazing because, you, you know, at that time it was just, you know, you had great – everybody had great banking relationships with uh, J.P. Morgan – and all the other folks, and they could just go out and they could buy up everything, they could own everything, they could build everything, and they controlled everything. They controlled the price of every single raw material for input. They controlled the pricing that it took to make everything in the middle, and clearly they controlled the price at which they could sell everything because there wasn't a lot of competition back then. So that became a fantastic business model since the beginning of time. And then there's still some people that still go about doing that where they just, you know, under the category of control your own destiny or somebody else will, that that's the way to go to market. If you're lucky to get big enough and do that, okay, fine, more power to you. Have at it. Dominate, dominate, dominate. On the other hand, we're seeing a fascinating trend that started with these companies really in the mid-80s, late-90s, where they started focusing on their core business and they start divesting of non-core assets. It's like, well, what what does that mean? Does that mean that they sold off divisions? And in a lot of cases, yeah, that's exactly what it means. Uh, did Did it mean they exited those activities? Yeah, in a lot of cases, that's what it meant. But more often than not, they actually kept those parts of the business. They just didn't own the activity any longer. And it's like, wow, that's fascinating.
So, Randall, what are you telling me? <clears throat> Unlike um, uh, John Paul Getty and Henry Rockefeller, I mean, uh, John D. Rockefeller and Henry Ford, who were, you know, some amazing lone wolves, they they went out on their own, did it themselves. You're, you're saying that the lone wolf strategy no longer works? Well, it's kind of an interesting thing. If you step back, and uh, we'll just go off on a on a little tangent here, when you compare lone wolves to traveling with the pack. Lone wolves, um, they can do great, but typically they die by themselves. If anything happens, there's no one there to protect them. And if they can't, uh, um, you know, find food, they starve. So while you might say, you know, at times you need to be a lone wolf as an overall strategy for the business, yeah, it can be problematic. You know, what I tell uh, folks during our, our training sessions is, you know, going it by yourself in the current economy is the longest, most expensive way to go out of business. It just is. So, all right, well, we know the behavior of a lone wolf. What do we know about the behavior of packs? Well, packs tend to Hunt, they travel together, they hunt together, they protect one another, and it turns out they live longer if you're part of a pack. All right, Randall, I get that. So why is that significant to, to the story you were telling us about corporations? Well, when I mentioned just a moment ago that a lot of them are divesting of business units or non-core assets, non-core businesses, they still recognize that's a part of the business. They just recognize that they don't need to run it. They aren't the best. It isn't what they are the best at. So why should they continue to put the business at risk trying to operate what's not their strength? Now, that gets us to where we are today. And what I call, we're now living in the partner economy. And if you're looking at long-term business success, if you're looking at building a legacy, especially if you're a small to medium-sized business, if you don't know how to operate and thrive in the partner economy, you're going to be left behind. You just can't afford to compete. You really can't. Uh, imagine every time you wanted to go out and do something, you've got to uh, go figure out how to fund it, get the warehouse line or use uh, use cash flow from the business. You got to staff up. You got to buy equipment. You have to figure out how to get facilities to go into a new geography. You got to put together a new sales team to go into a new market. Um, you got to build new manufacturing capabilities or delivery capabilities if you're a service company. Every time you want to, to uh, you need to change the business on a dime to deal with changing market conditions, you're looking at huge investments. Now, if your company is, you know, a hundred million, 500 million, a billion, okay, yeah, you can afford to play that game. Um, so then the question now is not, is it affordable for you? The question is, is it smart for you? Is it the best use of your money? If you've got to, you know, spend five, 10, 15, 20 million to be taken seriously in a new market, Shoot, if you got to pay a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, or five hundred thousand to be taken seriously in a new in a new market, is that the best use of that one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, five million, one million, or two million, or ten million? 
you you sit back and you start looking at you, you know return on investment and you ask yourself does that really make sense is that where i want to spend money so what's your option what's the alternative the alternative clearly is if you have a partner so now you're sharing the risk just like the pack all right you're sharing the risk you're sharing the reward you're sharing the opportunity you have the ability to respond quicker. You have the ability to, to get more eyes on the problem and come up with a better solution. You have the ability to deploy the solution a whole lot faster because you're deploying the solution amongst the collective um, uh, strength of both companies rather than the individual strength or weakness of just the one company. So the significance of, of the partner economy is when you start looking at how pervasive in 2018 it currently is. Um, app developers, you know, technology companies, they will partner like there's no tomorrow. They'll put a project team of 15 or 20 or 30 or 100 or 200 people from around the globe uh, to uh, bring a product to market. I mean, my goodness, you look at these open source projects. That's just huge. Uh, the, the whole idea is you can get partners who have the skill sets you're looking for from wherever they may be, and you can get the project across the line faster. And guess what? You already got acceptance uh, for the final solution built in from the people who built it. Imagine how many folks they're telling about this worthwhile solution. So, you know, in practical terms, you start thinking about what is it that you do well? What's core for your business? What is it that you don't do so well that you you know you just accept you have to have it, but it really isn't your strength? And you start asking yourself, if I had a partner, how would this work? Now, I know for a fact that a lot of people have had some really horrible, horrendous, tragic relationships with partners in the past. You may have had one. You might be there telling me, he's like, Randall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theoretically, this sounds all wonderful and all great, but let me tell you about my stories with partners. And we all have stories about, I got stories with partners. But what I can tell you is, uh, uh, and this comes from both experience and research, the vast majority of failures with partnerships is because they were poorly designed and this isn't just true of us as diverse business owners. This isn't true of us as small business owners. 90% of most mergers and acquisitions, which is a specialized form of a partnership, 90% of those in the past have failed. 90%. So, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, you know, Randall, yeah, 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 that sounds great. But, you know, as a practical matter, it's, 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 it's risky. Yes, it is risky as a practical matter. Yes, um, the history of it is is clearly not favorable. But yes, the the analysis, which I can tell you both from having done it and from having um, uh, researched it, is that the vast majority of failures were uh, designed were based because the relationships weren't properly designed. There was no emphasis on whether or not there was a cultural fit. There was no emphasis around whether or not the actual businesses were compatible, whether or not the business models should actually be had been should actually have been put together. So how you actually go about 
uh, putting partnerships together today is fundamentally different than how they've been put together in prior years and the specific things you can do to get the right partner or partners for your business is um, those things are a lot more well-known, a lot more studied, and uh, you actually do have a blueprint for doing this. Why? Because companies are doing it every day now. I mentioned the tech industry. Uh, you're seeing the big boys even partner up. Uh, in oil and gas, they will go out and, um, you know, each one of them put a billion or two together to go and do an offshore drilling platform when they used to do it individually. Shoot, we even saw what? Uh, General Motors and Toyota put Saturn together. All right. Uh, we see more and more strategic partners. Shoot, my favorite one. Uh, when you come to my class, you, you're going to hear me talk about this one until I'm blue in the face. But I just love this one because this one demonstrates all the principles of what it really takes to make one of these things work is the the one between uh, AT&T and Apple and their their strategic alliance to create the uh, iPhone. And for those of you that are paying attention right now, uh, you probably need to look at the Walmart and Microsoft one. And why did they, they do that? Now, some of the pushback that I get right now, and I want to go ahead and address this right now. Some of the pushback I get is like, yeah, Randall, okay, I, I get it. You're talking about all these Fortune 500 companies, but but can you give me an example of, of a, a smaller company, something more like mine? And I sit back and I go, hello, hello, hello. All the companies' names I just mentioned are companies that your business and my business are trying to sell into. We're trying to sell into AT&T and Apple and General Motors and Toyota and Walmart and Microsoft. That's our target customer. All six or eight of those are in the global 500 largest business in the world. If we understand what they're doing to be successful, then we can model our business just like that. And when we go talk with them, uh, we are adopting a business model that they understand. So yes, yes, yes. I can uh, give you some examples of uh, smaller companies that are making this uh, making this work, and uh, we'll probably talk some more about those uh, down the road, so that this doesn't seem like it's uh, unreachable. But I really and truly want you to 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 grasp the concept that. Big companies, and you probably hear me say this uh, like it's a broken record, big companies are nothing more than small companies that have done everything right. They all started the exact same place that we started, the vast majority of them. So rather than them being something untouchable, it's more of, okay, what did they do? How, do they, how did they do it? And how do we model what they did to be successful? So with that as the backdrop before we uh, close for the day, I really and truly want you to, to have a great appreciation that uh, being a lone wolf is going to be a problem. Being a lone wolf right now in this economy is going to be the longest and most expensive way for you to go out of business, period. I really don't care how what size your company is, whether you're you know, 100,000, 200,000, uh, a million, two million. 10 million, 20 million, 100 million, uh, uh, 100 billion. I really don't care. You need to know how to effectively partner. You need your business 
partner blueprint so that you can uh, identify your handful of strategic partners that actually builds the revenue growth you're looking for for the next five to 10 years to build that legacy business that you're looking for and your non-strategic partners to deal with the tactical issues that come up every day in order for you to um, uh, make sure you're addressing the needs of your customers and, and the business itself. So um, travel with the pack. The pack is good. Travel with the pack. <laughs> but it's your pack. It's the pack you picked that does what you need done. So once again, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope you have a good uh, a good understanding right now of why the uh, partner economy is the single greatest opportunity, especially given that the speed of business is only going to get faster and faster and faster. Uh, why it's the single greatest threat to your business, because if you don't understand what's going on, you are going to be left behind. And why, um, y you know, currently until the foreseeable future, future, we're going to be in the partner economy, especially in a global environment. But hey, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. And stay tuned for the next episode. Have a great day.